Oh, hi. You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, creative block, day jobs, bad habits, mental health, and the fleeting sense of sanity, worth, dignity, and security that we all chase under capitalism. We discuss trauma, art, spiritualism, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and the mirage of meritocracy. Artists, designers, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people. Join me, Brad Pearson, in a discussion of what to do with this stupid, sacred life. Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you want to confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on Self-Worst Yo, what's up everybody? It is Self-Worst. Guess what? Okay, so, if you listened to last week's episode, Minisode number 9, uh, you'll know that we had a little bit of a technical snafu, uh, lost three quarters of the episode. Oops. So that was a little bit of a meltdown. That, that sucked. Um, but it turns out the gods were smiling on us and, uh, Zilla, our guest, was recording the whole thing on her end. You know why? Because she's a goddamn professional. I'm glad someone is so we have a a slightly chopped and screwed version of the episode it's kind of like well her audio actually sounds better uh, because it's recorded directly on her side Uh, but my audio I sound a little tinny I sound a little robot-y just pretend I'm a cyborg for this episode and it'll all make sense It's okay. It's kind of, uh, you know, it's fun. It's like our version of Smile, the Beach Boys record. They did pet sounds and everybody was anticipating this crazy record. And then Brian Wilson, he went a little nuts and uh, scrapped the whole thing. And then they, years later, reconstructed the album. It's kind of like that. This, this whole episode, I was fully mentally prepared for this to just be lost to the wind, gone forever, and we were just going to have to re-record. Uh, but here it is. We have it. We have the original recording. Um, sounds, like I said, a little wonky. What are you going to do? Gives it some character. You know, we all go through life collecting our scars, physical, psychic whatever. And that's what makes us ourselves. So we're talking to Zilla Vodnes. She's a a New York comedian, born and bred New Yorker. Uh, It's a great talk. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to sharing that with you. It's just been a week of good news, good fortune. Um, I got the vaccine. Yo, I got the vaccine. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but basically my advice to you, if you live in New York, because this is all I can speak to, 
uh, is that it's a fucking free-for-all and you have to be intrepid you have to be self motivated and just claw your fucking way in the way I got in was I basically like I just tried every door tried every window jiggled every lock I was calling and refreshing the website you know just just testing every connection I might have to a uh, a a, a not a testing site, a, a vaccination site around. They're everywhere all over the city. Some of them aren't even on the website. It's just crazy. It's just it's just a fucking it's of course. It's the very American way of dealing with things during a pandemic when we all need each other the most. When we all need to band together and take care of each other. Of course, the way you get through it is by being as individualistic as possible and treating it like the Wild West. It's just chaos and you have to just think of yourself and just go and get it done. That's pretty much the approach that we're dealing with. Uh, there is a website, not a website, a Twitter um, called TurboVax, kind of like TurboTax, get it? Uh, TurboVax Twitter. Uh, they tweet so follow them and um, turn notifications on because they'll let you know uh, intermittently when they're like, hey, this uh, site in Sunnyside, Queens, they have 15 appointments available right now. Go. Uh, hey, this one in Bensonhurst, uh, they have 10 appointments available right now. Go. Uh, and you just you have to just like keep your hand over the buzzer, basically, and you can make it happen. So anyway, we're feeling good. Shoulders a little sore. What are you going to do? It's, you know, that's about it. That's about all I can report. It was fine. It's so far so good. Um, and uh, I'm excited. You know, it's it's a... I'm going to let myself feel a little bit of relief here. Knowing that we're not really out of the woods. That uh, things are still going to be fucked up for a while. I still got to wear a mask and blah, blah, blah. You know be dealing with the fallout of this for the rest of our lives but i'm gonna let myself sort of breathe a sigh of relief this week um and getting the vax and and getting getting this lost episode back this is a very interesting turn of events i uh have lost an episode before has happened once before and we just re-recorded and you know just pieced it together we had half and we uh re-recorded half this is the first one that has been fully brought back from the dead i had moved on and here it is like a phoenix so anyway hope y'all are doing well hope y'all are getting jabbed that's all very exciting best of luck to all of you um that's all whatever i had anything else to say so Let's talk to Zilla, um, a, a, a crazy, bright, gregarious New Yorker. Uh, this is a very, you know, I, I, felt, a, I felt a very yin-yang kind of energy as a, uh, a very white, Midwestern, repressed kind of guy. I'm wearing all black head to toe. I'm looking at my pile of clothing that's on the drying chair because it's always wet out. Uh, and that outfit's all black too. Zilla's 
She's a she's bright. She's colorful. She brings she brought a lot of energy uh, to the show, and uh, it was a great talk. So, without further ado, let's let's get into the uh, into the episode with Zilavadnis. The, the, the zoom freeze uh, it's a real oh, hot mess absolutely and then also um it has this like you know i don't really get into conspiracy theories often but it, someone will be like well let me tell you and then yeah. like, like it happens at the times where you're like is this the work of the devil because like sometimes i'll host someone and it's like right when they're impassioned or they're reaching the punchline It'll just freeze, and everyone in the audience is like, "Oh, <laughs> we missed." Yeah, it, it really it, it gets, it's just you know the pure I don't know <laughs> the powers that be whatever whatever's running the internet just really likes the, the, the comedy blue balls. That's of exactly it all. right. <laughs> it's pretty great. We'll see. We'll see how um, how we can avoid that. Um, you know what's funny? I saw you perform. I think uh, in my own backyard. Um, I, you know Diana, right? Yes. Yeah. So your friend Diana, my downstairs neighbor, uh, Julian, is dating her. Okay. And I think you guys did a backyard show. We absolutely did. I did my half hour. <laughs> you did a half hour there. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I, we couldn't go. We had to go to some other thing. We had to go to this thing in like Prospect Park or some shit. Yeah. Um, uh, with uh, Julian, he does like forklift NYC. And it, what's yes. funny is like we're um. We're hoping to do something again because at first I was like, oh, man, am I just this crazy lady who's showing up to these backyards? But everyone had a blast. So it was uh, actually really great. And Red Hook was very kind to me. Red Hook's great. I mean, it's uh, the whole uh, outdoor show thing was a was a thing over the summer. Um, it was a thing. You know, it was a comedy adaptation, just as the Zoom shows are. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I haven't really been to any out in LA, but I know that, uh, that's backyard shows have been sort of a thing in the indie comics, indie comedy scene for a while now there. And it might just be like a thing that happens and like sticks here too. We'll see. Well, what was great about that group is that Julian is such a socialist that mm -hmm. everyone who was there, like, not only did I get to do a half hour, I did a, like, incredibly political half hour, and everyone was on board. Like, it was lighthearted, but it was really dope. Uh, that was the one thing, like, I think because people had felt so much pressure because of the pandemic, a lot of those audiences, when, like, we did outdoor shows, they didn't want to hear anything political. They didn't want to hear anything about the pandemic because it was, like, escapism. So what was really dope is that, like, uh, just that little group of friends in in uh, that in Red Hook that Julian has, and all those the neighbors and everybody, uh, like you know, at one point I think I, I just started talking about like politics, and people were like, "Yeah, keep going," and it was like, "All right," you know, just like so that was great. But oh well, how fantastic! What a lovely little <laughs> less than six degrees of separation. Yeah, I know it's one of those <laughs> one of those small world things. It's funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, have you found that that's been like on? I guess it's hard to gauge what the audience reaction is over Zoom shows. Like, who who wants to hear about uh, politics? Who wants to hear about you know the, the shitty state of the world and who doesn't? Blah blah blah. Um, I think <clears throat> when it comes to coronavirus jokes, especially, it's incredibly hard and it's a risk that people take. I've seen some go over like really well. Um, I think when people veer more towards the um, 
It's almost like, uh, you know how the, the old standard was like airplane jokes or airport jokes, right? Like yeah. we can all relate. There's something bizarre and crazy about coronavirus is that we can all relate. So if you land them, you can bring a group of people together. But like 96% of the time, you're talking to someone who either had it or has lost someone or, you know, lost their job from it. So it's like you're inviting the reminder of something, uh, the specter of like, you're bringing the real world back into like a, a warm moment uh, that sure. you're trying to have with an audience. That being said, um, I do think at like, I don't, I'm not one for like comics are responsible for. Um, I think it's a risk you take, but also I do love like whenever I book a comic and they do a little bit of coronavirus, like, or, or just topical political stuff and they succeed. I know the audience is really, um, happy because we do need to make fun of some of this shit. Like the way that the government has handled the coronavirus is terrible. Oh, it's a, yeah. yeah. It's a nightmare. It's, it could not be more of a fucking clown car. Yes. So there's it's, like, you know, <laughs> there's other also, I think on the opposite side of that, like, so fucking up a coronavirus joke is bad, but also acting like we are not in a pandemic and everything is like peachy keen is also another form of, uh, you know, like, just being a dick, you know, because we're I yeah. there's people who still tell jokes that they told on stage before the pandemic that don't hold up anymore. And that boggles my mind. So they're like, oh, you know, I would last time I was on a plane. It's like, no, people aren't fucking traveling right now. <laughs> you know, it's just like, we're not going to talk about like dating or like I, it's weird. You can't you can all you also can't tell jokes that are like inside of a vacuum that we're like. None of the badness exists. There's a weird, it's a hard time, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's weird. It's, it's, yeah. It, it, I mean, which, which do you prefer actually? Like, I mean, if, if, if you had to pick one, somebody who's going to talk about it uh, too much and, or like try and fail or versus somebody who is going to um, just try and avoid it and, and act like nothing's going on. I'm going to say I am. I always admire people who try because once again, like going back to what I think, like not responsibility, like, you know, but I do, I love a comic who like tries to kind of um, approach a, um, a kind of raw nerve and, and get close to it and point out. I see that you're wearing a Bill Hicks shirt. Yes. (laughs) And that's because I have a show after this and, uh, and uh, the first topic, like they were like, can you host tonight? We're going to talk about Rush Limbaugh and like, I was like in the car after like he had, it had, they had announced that he died. I listened to Bill Hicks's like just straight up anger at, you know, Rush Limbaugh at the time. Um, I would rather people try to tackle things. Um, the one person that you left off of this, so it's like the person that ignores that there's any terrible things happening in the world. And then the people who try to talk about it and fail is there are people who will talk about the thing in a really reckless way. And that's, I think, my least favorite. So I have had, now that I've, I was just, um, so I produced that show that's on Tuesdays and I do a Friday show. And the Tuesday show that I've been doing with Comedy Hub, we're, we're encroaching on our like 50th comic. And I'm really proud that like, it's a really shitty time for comics and not a lot of people are getting stage time. And I was able to book 50 people who are like truly believed in one or two times people have said really reckless anti-vax jokes that I literally want to just turn the zoom off. You know, it's just like, 
<laughs> like, what yeah. the fuck, you know? But I, I'm, I do believe in free speech, but it's just a thing that I'm like, why? 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 Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard uh, thing to handle in the comedy world. You know, the, 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 the free speech question. That's, that's the biggest, I don't know, mostly stupid <laughs> debate well, that's I, going on in, in the comedy world. And I, and I also think like it, it also applies to like funny that like Rush died where it's like also like what it just platforms in general. Like at what point are you using your platform for nothing but harm, you know, like danger and awfulness, yeah. you know, so I, it, that's been, I think, the more. But I, I love it when people try. And I love and I love it even more when it lands, you know, like it's. Oh, it's I like- mean, yeah, that's just the best. I and mean, like every and Twitter today has just been really delightful um, with just all of the all of the just really cruel, like below the belt <laughs> jokes, because you can't fucking like fuck that guy. Like there is no there's no decency. There's no like, oh, that's that's too much. That's mean. Like, oh, he was a person. He had a family. Like, fuck him. Like, I don't like. There is nothing that you could say about that guy that would be like, ooh, too much. Like, there's there's just nothing. Like, oh, he, no. He, fucking, he turned that in a long time ago, man. Yes, and also, like, it's, like, if you had tally marks for awfulness, like, you know what I mean? Nothing we could say about him dead will ever have the effect that the things he said alive had in regards to, like, so I had to look up, because the the host was like, hey, can you, we can do some Rush Limbaugh jokes at the top. And I was like, oh, I guess, you know, but like, I looked up that, I didn't know he was the one who who popularized feminazi. Yep. <laughs> I was like, fuck that I mean, guy. he's the OG of a lot of that shit. I mean, like, that's the thing. He's like proto-Trump, proto, like, all of this just like crazy right-wing American fascism that's come along. And he, he was the one saying that shit in like the 90s. He was the one that Trump was listening to back then. So like if anybody is talking about how like Trump's the worst president and he's an existential threat and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, well then where do you think he was getting all that shit from? Like he was listening to that 24 seven. Yes. And also and like to, to support that point also, he was, I didn't know he was worth $87 million in 2017. Like he was the first person to monetize bullshit like conspiracy theories bullshit ideas in that he had this like insanely popular radio show and that i think was like you said is just like a prototype to someone like trump where it's like well shit if i can just run i can say how i feel under the guise that it's my opinion but i'm putting these falsehoods out there and my uh followers will buy into it you know he, he kind of tested that out yeah, he was doing that. He was doing that before Alex Jones. He was doing that before uh, Glenn Beck, before Tucker Carlson, before all these fucking people. And he's he's like, I mean, he's the one. Like, I remember like my parents talking about him when I was a kid, and just like not really understanding, just like, oh, who's this guy? And then just like seeing like, I mean, even back then, just like just a few seconds of him on TV, and just his big fat red angry face, and he's just like, just just spewing hate and it's just it was just so like ugly like even then and like now that type of uh tone is just the norm like that's just how people speak now and so we all have him to thank for it so if anybody's offended by any like (laughs) jokes about like him like you know like popping pills and and being a fat dead asshole uh like I, i don't care 
Too bad. No, and I think like back to what you were saying earlier, like Twitter, Twitter, the fact that Twitter has no respect for the dead and or ill, like when Trump, it reminded me of when Trump got sick, when Trump got, yeah, when Trump got COVID. Yeah, that was like- the funniest day of <laughs> the past, I don't know, five years. Oh, that's absolutely. like the funniest thing that's happened. They, it was really great. Yeah, people had a field day and rightfully <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, fuck him. I don't know. Like, I, I just, I, I don't care anymore. Like, I just don't, I don't have the whatever restraint it is, the, um, you know, the the nobility, the, the decency. I, I listened to somebody like AOC, and she, like, talks about, she did that uh, Instagram Live where she was talking about the Capitol raid and uh, how she was hiding in the closet or the bathroom. And um, she didn't swear once describing that whole thing and didn't like and and just was so classy about it and i was just like i don't know how you do that but that is just not how i'm going to that's just not how i can handle things that's just not my like I, i i can't do it like this is why i'm not in politics oh absolutely i think uh like you know even my my mom jokingly still believes I can be like president, you know, like, cause I think this is a weird thing that like moms sometimes believe, but I always tell her, I was like, uh, uh, my mouth, my, my real sense of anger would definitely take me out of the running for any sort of office. They would just think I was psychotic. And I also think like, haven't, there has been like politicians who've been taken out of the running for just showing true emotion. Didn't someone like holler once when they were running? Yeah, Howard Dean. Yes. That was one of the weirdest things. <laughs> I mean, that was one of those things that like during 2016 was just a thing that people kept going back to. And they just kept talking about how like everything that Trump said and done up to this point, And he was still, you know, he was like on his way to win. And everybody was like, remember when Howard Dean like got a little too excited and went like, ah, and like yelled and like, and it was like weird. It was like weirded people out. And, and he, he, he like fell way behind. Like he was on the fast track to win. And then like that fucked him. Just going, ah, like that was it. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's just the weirdest thing. <laughs> absolutely. And it's like Trump did so many crazy things that it never took him out of the running. <laughs> it just doesn't. I don't know. It's 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 like we're we're playing two different. You know, the, both the parties are playing two different games. I mean, Al Franken was forced to resign, um, and 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 yet, you know, they didn't convict Trump. Everybody who was backing him up is still doing fine. Like that, like there, none of those people are going to face any consequences. And it's just like, uh, I don't know. I mean. I go back and forth on like whether it was the right thing to do to make uh, Al Franken resign over that because it's like, well, I mean, that wasn't great, but at the same time, like, I mean, are we, are we going to act like, again, are we going to act like civility and respectability and all that shit is still part of the game? Like this is a fucking bloodbath now. Like this is, we're, we're not playing the fucking West Wing game. We're not. Not at all. And I also think that, like, there's a whole weird thing going on now where it's like, we you hear a lot of, like, Democrats, and they're like, we need a stronger Republican Party. And I'm like, I... Nope. <laughs> yes? <laughs> like, wait a minute, huh? You 
know, like it's like the answer to like, man, we got too many gremlins. You know what we meet? need? More wet mogwais. No, that's how you yeah. get gremlins. It's just like, what the fuck are we doing? Exactly. No, I would argue that we actually have two very strong Republican parties. I would like a different one. I would like a, I would like an actual opposition party. Absolutely. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. Let, so let's talk about that for a second. Cause like you were saying, uh, before the interview, um, you were talking about how, uh, therapy has helped you, uh, communicate when you are upset and, and, and has, uh, helped you, uh, kind of overcome those sorts of emotions and, and, and be able to communicate more clearly. Can you talk more about that? Absolutely. So I think I mentioned this in the pre-interview, but uh, two things. Uh, after the 2016 election, I f- the day after the election, I, I was a high school teacher in a school in Bed-Stuy uh, for students on the autism spectrum and students uh, with emotional disturbance. And the day after, I'll never forget, like, some of my kids had come in. So election day, schools are closed. And the next day, I usually got to my room. School starts at 8. And I usually got to my room about 7.15. And there was a couple of students there who just wanted to, like, say they were sorry because they knew that Trump won, even though it's not their fault. It was a very, like, it crushed me. Like it just, they were just like, miss, we know you're really upset. You're, you know, we knew you were going to be really upset. And then that proceeded to create this really deep well of like an anger that I felt like I had no control over in that it was out of my hands. It was just like someone had given me a whole bunch of frustration and anger. I listened to a whole bunch of hardcore punk, like in the two weeks after thinking that in the way that I got over my teenage angst, which was through, uh, Wu-Tang, uh, Bad Brains, I could do that again, and it didn't work. And uh, I had gone uh, to Boston for a teaching conference, and I'm talking to one of my coworkers, and I'm like, I'm irrationally, like, I'm irrationally angry all the time about things that are outside of my control, and she had recommended a therapist. And I knew, um, so working with students who were emotionally disturbed, I was taught, uh, because they they prepare you, they give you this like a very basic training, uh, but a training that I feel like people in general should receive about just people, uh, which is that there's a baseline behavior, there's a baseline emotion in every single one of us. And your baseline is where you should be in order to think at the greatest capacity. So for us teachers, they were saying, you wanna make sure your kids are at their baseline because this is how the retention of knowledge works. What are some things that fuck with the baseline? Uh, Noises, uh, being hungry, which is a common thing, unfortunately, in the DOE. Uh, uh, The room is too hot. So now you're you're notching up. It's kind of like, I think of um, Price is Right used to have this game where it was a yodeler going up a hill, and if you went too far, he'd fall off. So there's a spec, like, it's kind of like you just keep ratcheting up stress 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 and then you have that big blowout at the end so because we were training to avoid that to see it before it got too hot before kids got too upset and were self-injurious injured others left the room we were supposed to intercept that anger and kind of be like hey let's let's talk about it what are we doing i had was unable to do that in myself so like the teaching and learning about how to help people manage their emotions 
And then me realizing that I wasn't managing my emotions well at all. I lived um, in uh, on Knickerbocker Avenue, and I remember one night I took the train home from uh, work. I walked down the stairs of the elevated train, and I looked past the pizza shop, and I was going to go in to get something, and they had a flat-screen TV, and it had Trump's picture. And I was still so mad that he was actually, it was like my worst nightmare. Like something that they would have put in a movie, and I would have been like, nah, that'll never happen. Happened. So I started to go to a uh, behavioralist, and we, it was so funny because I didn't realize at first she was one of those people that people are normally court mandated to go to. So like I went to a therapist who's the person that normally people go when they've had a fucking road, road rage incident and they tell the judge, I'm sorry, this will never happen again. And they're like, okay, well you got to go to therapy. Right. And then you go see the therapist. She proves that you're managing your anger. And what was really interesting is like, I remember my, I'm, um, I mentioned this in my pre-interview. I'm a people pleaser. So, like, Mm -hmm. I kind of (laughs) wanted in the way that, like, a person teaches a lesson where it's like, hi, this is my anger. How do we handle it? I thought, like, two, three sessions and I'd be good. And she gave me this packet. She gave me, like, literal homework, which was like, you know, make a list of the things that stress you out. And what I was realizing is that I was letting the physical element of anger take too much of um so we would explain this to kids where it's like when you're angry you're not in your right mind like literally not like the weird like you're not in your right mind you're crazy but literally when you're when you're angry your cognition levels drop because you are literally physically hot you you sweat you start to pace your heart rate increases and what i was realizing is that there was a bunch of things that I was kind of carrying as baggage that was like, so was I able to manage through my anger? No, because it was just like this little, because it wasn't one big thing I was angry about. It was a bunch of little things. <clears throat> I just kind of. Right. Not so, just Trump, a bunch of other things. Yes. Trump was the needle, you know, that that was the one yeah, that, or the, like the, the, the straw that broke the camel's, camel's back. back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was the one that just like broke it for me because that one pissed me off mostly because I didn't vote for him. So, you know, so I was like, wait, I inherited it. It'd be weird if you did. <laughs> but you get what I mean? Like, it was like, shit, now I got to deal with this shit. But uh, what I was able to realize is that I needed to, uh, understanding how anger worked, um, help me help other people. But I had never applied those same, um, you know, abilities to myself. And which I was... Uh, Truly thinking, okay, let's get to the bottom of the thing that's making you a little angry before you get too angry. And so I started to work on the smaller things. Um, And I know we were talking about this earlier, but the same thing happened again in in comedy, where I got really frustrated with comedy. And it was because I wasn't talking about the political at all. And I realized, no, I have to put a little bit of those fires out. If not, I'm telling fucking airplane jokes, but I'm screaming them into the mic and (laughs) nobody likes me. (laughs) What was under there? What were, what were the little things that you were finding? Um, uh, just in rational set of standards for myself and also the unhappiness that I had with teaching. I love and still, I loved and loved teaching. I was getting chewed up and spit out by a system that is very fractured. Um, I am frustrated still that I couldn't 
figure out the cheat code or game the system in, in a way that it would have allowed me to teach for longer because this, like, there's, and not to be, like, you know, I'm going to take a big bite right now that I possibly can't chew thoroughly. But, like, the system is so fractured. I taught very close to where I grew up. And to see how the system just disenfranchises schools in certain areas, how money goes away, I, I felt like I was, um, like, kind of, it was Sisyphus. It was every day we make a, a little bit of progress and then we get a new uh, memo from the state that says we are now back here. And then, and they do this cyclically within the New York city school system, which is like, they, they, they have a new mandate. It's a new say, um, curriculum, right. And they roll out the curriculum. And then you, once you get it, they're like, Oh wait, we figured out that that's not what we're working on anymore. Now we're working on this. So it was a weird thing where my real life was mirrored in that I wasn't doing work that was actually making progress on myself. And then the process of not doing actual, um, making actual progress and gains in the workplace, just the both of them hit together. And essentially my therapy boiled down to um, my therapist by like, you know, eight, nine months in was just like, you keep on telling me you, you want to do something else. And I keep telling you that you, you need to figure out what you want to do. And I think you know what you want to do, which is take a break from teaching, but you're in this huge denial. And so that helped me. Doing comedy full time helped me say, okay, now I can handle my anger about all these things. Because instead, being a teacher is, I was hiding the work I needed to do on myself in my teaching work. Because if you're a teacher, you could work. 24 hours of the fucking day, no sleep, and still not get everything you need to get done. It is one of the toughest jobs I think anyone could ever have, especially when you're involved with kids. I, I used to get calls at 2 and 3 in the morning from kids, from parents, you know? So it became yeah. my whole life. But I was hiding that there was work I needed to do, and I was like, no, but I, I need to be strong for them. But after a point with the election, and, and I know I say it, it was like the election, <clears throat> but I just think that just was the the crack that kind of like kind of finally broke through and was just like no you have so much it was a sobering moment for a lot yeah. of people um you know i mean for better or worse it, it was it was a moment that you know a, a teachable moment you could say uh for you know for for a lot of people and, and i think best case scenario is uh that you use it to uh reassess and realign and and, and you know, take stock of, of what's going on. So it sounds like you, you really made the best of uh, something bad. I try to. I still, I, I want, uh, like, my greatest goal is to, uh, I used to teach, at one point I taught film, and it was one of the greatest, like, I was a, I did uh, just gen ed high school, and like or, or special ed high school, so I taught all the subjects, math, social studies, and then, uh, for a brief period of time, I taught like media, multimedia, photo, and and I do want to go back to that. And that was a great. Um, I still look back at my time teaching, and I think, okay, you gave back in some way. And I think that's why we were talking about this earlier. But like in comedy, I want to try to make connections because that was the best thing about being a teacher. Every day, if you're successful at teaching, oh my god, you know, like you make someone think about a new idea. 
which in comedy is very similar, right? Where it's like, I just want to introduce this premise. Maybe you'll think about it later. (laughs) (laughs) So like teaching was very much that and every day. So it was really awesome. And I I still love it, but I, I, God bless every single one of the people who've been teaching through this pandemic. I can't even imagine. You so you stopped teaching at some point. Yes, I stopped teaching. I kid, I kid you not. A month before the pandemic. Good timing. <laughs> no, I, I did not. It was unintentional. It was just the point where I felt like I had started to do uh, what I like to call away games. I started to tour. You know what I mean? Like it was like, okay, this is a thing. And then the biggest joke of all is that you know there is a saying: make a plan, God laughs. So I made the plan. I was like, oh, I'll tour. I'll go to, I had dates set for Colorado. And then it just, everything hit a wall, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's been a real motherfucker. I mean, but like, it wouldn't have been great if you were, uh, you know, still working as a teacher too. So, you know, like it's, I mean, I, I, now finally we're getting to a point where like, you know, teachers are like their first in line to get the vaccine and like, that's great. Um, you know, I, I know several folks who've like, you know, like they, some of my friends work as teachers and they've already gotten their second dose, which is awesome. Uh, but for a while there, it was just like, I mean, for most of 2020, I was just like scared shitless for all my friends who work in education. Cause I was just like, they're going to send them back to school. They're going to make them go back and they're going to fucking die. Like it, it was, it was just a nightmare. Absolutely. And, and also the teachers were already like when when people that was the one thing that like people asked me all the time they're like oh so they must have a plan right the teachers have a plan or the teachers have resources don't they have these resources the teachers are the state of education uh the value especially with betsy devos so even before the pandemic the president didn't give a shit about education so education was already deeply hurting like you know what i mean so like to add this to it was just um really heartbreaking and also i think the the one if i could see a silver lining in it i think a lot of people regard uh teachers as babysitters and i think that needs to stop the teachers don't yeah yeah you know teachers don't exist because you have a job so you need to send your kid to school no you know no i mean that was the most infuriating thing that i kept like running into is just like they want to reopen the schools because they are sick of having their kids around and it's just like, well, then, like, how, why is that anybody else's problem? I'm sorry. Like, that's that's insane that you want to put a bunch of, like, filthy kids into a building and expect people, like, to just sort of figure it out. You know, it just, it, because because you work from home and you don't want your kids screaming and banging pots together in your house anymore? Like, it's It's, it's and also, you're, you're completely in, it's, um... Now we're looking at it like almost like uh, you're and and we need to respect waiters and service, but there it's almost like teachers have now joined the ranks of like service staff because it's like mm-hmm. you're you're not taking into account that there's a possibility that these people might have kids and or a family. So like it's a weird thing that I think we do when we think of like the people who work in fast food or the people when it's like some oh no but they should be there like it's like. I always feel incredibly guilty, and I know that, like, I I don't, like, observe, like, 
uh, I'm not religious, so it's not like I observe holidays, but like I, I even think about things like the expectations of like, man, I hope I have Christmas off, but I also hope Starbucks is open on Christmas. <laughs> you know, it's just like you yeah. can't wish for things in your life and then not at least think, well, maybe some other people deserve them too. It's this like kind of sense of uh, it's capitalism has been applied to teaching where it's like, no, no, I got shit to do. The teachers bring them in, you know, like, and that's such a, terrible way of viewing uh you know and and they're talking now about like a lot of students falling behind and i get that like you know because they're like if we don't open the schools the kids will fall behind academically i get that but if you don't think they're gonna fall behind anyway because this is a global pandemic and people have been out of their minds of course we're all hurting you know like this is a once in a or twice if you're old enough lifetime you know what i mean like yeah, it's, I mean, there's going to be ripple effects from this for the rest of our lives. So, like, we have to just accept that this is a huge fucking catastrophe that we're just going to have to reckon with. And, like, you know, it's gonna, it's taking a big chunk out of people's development if they happen to be, like, in development during, during this, during this time. Uh, it, like, sucks, but, like, what what are the idea that like i mean it yeah you're right it's an american capitalist idea of this entitlement to just have people at your beck and call yes human to just have people to serve you to just have people do things and like have all the mechanisms running no matter what and you know you you go if you go to other you know, like even like I, I was thinking about this before the pandemic. If you go to, I don't know, Spain or wherever, uh, you know, like stores and shit, they close down at like 5 p.m. Oh, yeah. They close down, you know, like the grocery store will close 5, 6 p.m. They'll close on Sundays because they're like, yeah, we're we're done for the day. We, we have to go home to our families. They're not constantly expected like the the idea of having like 24 hour this and that isn't really a thing you know and and it's a it's a big thing here and not gonna lie i like that you know like one of my favorite things about living in new york city is that i can go get things late at night but i also have to appreciate that there's human beings who are making that happen and they don't want to fucking be like bringing me a pizza at midnight you know absolutely they're doing it because they have to yes and that's i i the best way and this is what i like hope to uh, eventually embed like i know nobody wants me to grab the mic and be like capitalism's terrible hi i'm your comic for the evening i, I would like you to grab the mic and do that i'm, I'm fine with that Fuck capitalism. but like you want to uh the uh, uh thing i noted um a couple years ago, I got to go to Italy. And one of the things that I find really funny is when I got back, someone was like, wasn't it great? Didn't you receive, weren't, unlike here, didn't you realize that the waiters were just jovial? Weren't they just great? I'm like, yeah, because they got paid a living wage. Like, (laughs) what are you fucking, are you crazy? Yes, they were happy because that's considered a good job. You know what I mean? Like, we live in a country where, like, I hate when people are like, can you believe the person at Burger King was rude to me? 
Yeah, they were fucking rude to you. They don't get paid anything, and Burger King's got to stay open till fucking one in the morning. You're exactly yeah. right, Brad. You know, like it's just so. That's I think something, and I think that's what when people back to like the anger thing. What people don't realize, you know, people think of uh, New Yorkers are very like surly. New Yorkers are surly because New York expects New Yorkers to grind all the time. And that takes an emotional toll on people. Americans, right? If you go to any other country, a lot of times they'll say like Americans are rude. They're short, right? They, they you know, like in certain places, most of those places are big cities in yeah. which these people have to work all the time. There are no niceties when your life is ruled by my rent is $2,500 and I live in a shoebox. Like, when are you supposed to make the time to be nice in that? So it was me realizing that there are things that I'm always going to be upset about and I got to choose my battles on those things. And then there are the things that I can manage. And a lot of those things are uh, angering things that I have for my youth. Angering things that are completely, um, they're they're tailor made for me. They don't. Have, they're not big world angers because those come right. So you're like, I'm mad at capitalism. I'm mad at, um, you know, sexism, uh, racism. Always, I'm always fucking mad at those things. I can't necessarily tackle those in the span of a sixty minute therapy session. Sure. But can I come to the responding to you was a revelation to me where I was like, oh, man, I forget every once in a while. But I totally have body dysmorphia and my parents put a rational, you know, like your questioning was like it was a, a refresher of like, yeah, hey, girl, remember that that exists and you should just be happy with all you've accomplished because there's a, you know, I think um, the burden of expectations kind of uh continues to grow and grow on us all. And I think we just have to like tackle the things we can work on the things we can within ourselves. So it's, you know, we try, I try. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard Look, I mean, we're exactly, I mean, we're busy and we're stressed all the time and we don't always have time to like fucking put on a smile and, and be like, like nice and shiny and happy about it. And I would almost rather that be the case. Like, I mean, I think New York especially kind of brings that out in people because even your commute, you're sharing typically with other people. You're not getting into a car where you can just punch the steering wheel. Like, Fuck! like you know, like you're not, you don't have like a little like cell to get into to just like turn up the radio and scream you have to just like go out and do that shit and just like have a meltdown by yourself. And even if you like get to your apartment and like your neighbors are going to hear you, your roommates are going to hear you, you know, like there's no way that you can just like fully be alone and just like vent. So, I mean, like even just this morning, you know, like I said, I was like a whole half hour behind and I knew that that was just going to just cascade my entire day. Just fuck up. Like, every appointment I had just 30 minutes off, 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 off for the rest of the day. Cause I was just out the door and like, I saw my neighbor just like standing outside, not Julian, different neighbor. Um, <laughs> and just like standing outside. And like, I was like putting my uh, uh, bag in the, in the bike basket and just putting the keys and like getting everything hooked up. And I was just in there and like, just 
you know, just like getting, like mounting the bike and just like, you know, just like swearing to myself. And I looked over at him and he was just sort of like, Ugh. and I was just like, hey, I mean, like, I don't care. Like, I'm not even embarrassed of it anymore. <laughs> like, I just, I'm just like, okay. Like you saw me uh, like having a bad moment, a bad morning because like, I got a bike all the way up the fucking hill in park slope in the slushy, uh, you know, melting snow. And, and like, I'm going to be sweaty and cold by the time I get up there. And like, it's good to deal with that for the rest of the day. Like, like, sorry, having a bad day. Like is what it is. I think that is something that, um, we, I used to, when I had like, once I started going to therapy, I started to designate, like, I explained to people, like, kids, students were allowed to have a bad day. I think that's something that, like, a lot of teachers would do where it's like, you know, a kid gets mad about something that you don't know what is going on in their life, and they, like, throw their book bag, right, or slam a door. Um, You have to give people the room to have that moment every once and again. If it's like all the time, then we should talk it through and see if we can handle it. But I think the um, the lie that is sold to people that you've got to be in a great mood 24-7 is bullshit. And I think it's unfair and I think it's very cruel. Um, you know, like, so I, I agree with you where it's just like we're going to have like, you're going to have angry, bad days. Um, if you take them out on others, then that's something we need to approach and like figure out, right? But I do think that like, we cannot discount. I also worry that what happens if you have no bad days. So say you get angry, but you keep putting it away, right? I feel like in many ways, that's one of the problems that's wrong with the Democratic Party. Back to that. Call back to that. But like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, we cannot take the high road anymore. Sometimes you got to slam the fucking door. Like we were talking about before, where it's like this politeness, like, Sometimes, and that's why, like I said, I listen to punk where it's like, how do I repurpose my anger? I tried to make my anger go away altogether and realize that I was this bizarre, uh, I didn't have passion about anything anymore. Do you get what I mean? Like if you continually put down your anger, sometimes what ends up happening is you just kind of become like a, an automaton where it's like, I'm nothing then. And I feel like a lot of what's happening politically is like, we don't. Like, look at everything that happened over the summer. That was a rightful... People were fucking rightfully angry. Rightfully. Yeah. You know? And that's that's what I think is, like, the, the thing that's fucked up about, like, no, you can't be angry if you're to be considered professional. You can't be angry if you're to be considered a politician. That's the game we play. And then the other side is like, well, all we are is angry. <laughs> yeah. You know? Their anger is like rocket power. Our anger is an embarrassment. And that's the thing. You can't do that. Like, there is good anger. It's just fine. No, yeah, anger is good. You have to tap into that, and you have to harness it correctly. Exactly. Like it, And, it, I mean, if we want to apply it to politics, then yes. Like, I, I fully believe that the Democratic Party or, you know, any party really that wants to be a party of the people has to tap into the anger. Yes. Because people are pissed. Absolutely. And, People are rightfully pissed and, and you can, you can, you can observe that and you can, you can empathize with that and you can say, I see you and, and I know why you're mad and let's address it. And it's okay. Like that, that 
you feel this way. I feel this way too. I feel this mad. I feel mad on your behalf. Or you can just say that like, oh, they're being like too rude. They're, you know, Bernie bros are so mad. Bernie bros, like, you know, like they're, they're, they're being too rude. And like, they're all these like Twitter hordes and blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, okay, fine. Then like, we'll take our anger somewhere else and we'll burn down a fucking police station. You know, like it's, what do you want? Like you can't bottle it up forever. Absolutely. I do think there's like, and that's the thing that's interesting with, anger is that so like um I grew up in a household where like if uh my mother my mother her side of the family where it's like uh if you are angry with someone you insult them and I think the interesting thing uh and and also you go for the the easiest the thing that you know will deeply bother them so it's a very like personal like a very like um it's almost like when you feel attacked, you tear someone down before they can attack you more, right? And it's funny because you brought up Bernie bros, and I was trying to think after the election, I was like, man, what the fuck happened with that? Because I am a big fan of Bernie's. And I think what happened is like, in the Al Franken way, we got blamed. Bernie bros got blamed for like all internet meanness all at once. <laughs> Like, they were like, anytime someone's petty on the internet. Now, mind you, were there petty Bernie bros? Up fucking course. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. But in the way that Al Franken had to take the L for every, every, you know, like every uh, man who had been inappropriate. And even in, even though that spectrum is so wide, you know what I mean? And then like not taking into account his place on that spectrum of like, um, making a woman feel uncomfortable in the workplace or whatever, like, you know, uh, had happened in that situation. They had the scapegoat. Al Franken was the scapegoat for that. Right. Like we completely fucking ignored that the president was like grabbing by the pussy because Al Franken took the L for that. And I feel like Bernie bros took the L for Internet meanness, which is bizarre because literally, like we talked about earlier, Twitter, all bets are off. The the gloves yeah, are no, off. Yeah, no, everybody's mean. They're like the K-Hive's mean, <laughs> like everybody's mean. Everybody. Like it's, and it's okay. Like, I mean, like, and if you can't fucking take it, then like don't. Get on Twitter. I'm sorry. Like, like <laughs> fucking grow a pair. Like, absolutely. Um, the sensitivity is just so like, come on. What do you think's gonna happen if somebody like calls you, calls you whatever, calls you a beta, calls you a cuck or whatever on the internet? Okay, are you dead now? Did your penis shrink? Like, you're fine. I think the high expectations I have for myself and how those irrationally high expectations constantly undermine any action that I take. Um, I hate to like keep putting it back to politics, but I think it's like, you know, we were talking about earlier, like the expectations for Democrats, it's like so high that it, it's almost like nothing is possible. You know what I mean? Like I had to get past my expectations to fucking accomplish anything because if I listen to all of the other voices in my head that were just like, this is not enough. You need to do it perfect. You need to do it better. You need to do it more progressive. You need to do it this way. You need to do it that way. I would have just stopped. And I think that's a level of frustration that a lot of people face where it's just like, and then that's also fueled by capitalism. Why the fuck do I think I have to be the best of the best? Because that's what the commercials say, no? <laughs> like, right. I mean, it's a, real, know, so- it's a nature nurture or... You know, not exactly nature nurture, but like there is your own personal upbringing, which I mean, so uh, your 
you're a Puerto Rican, Catholic American uh, from New York. So that's that's a very, uh, you know, that's that's a, a a demographic, shall we say? That's a yeah. that's a very specific. Yeah. I feel like uh, that's a I don't know, almost like a New York archetype. You know what I mean? Like that's that's like a very like you, you say like, oh, I'm Puerto Rican, I'm from New York. Like I have some idea of like maybe it's a stereotype or maybe it's just like, oh, okay. Like I, I have some sense of like what that, um, absolutely. What that because background is like. Yes. Because that very tiny niche part of like Puerto Ricans is the only representation of Puerto Ricans in media. Mm. So like Puerto, uh, when people think Puerto Rican, they think either JLo or Rosie Perez, both of those yep. women are Puerto Rican women from specifically New York. Yeah. Like there is absolutely no representation of Puerto Ricans from the island in like mass media. And that's a, a and so that's why when people ask me, like, what do I identify as? Of course, I identify as Puerto Rican. But majority of what my my persona is, is a New Yorker, because that's a very specific thing. Yeah, you know that's I mean? also like, a very specific. That's a you know, that's a type A born and bred New Yorker is a type. Yes. So I think that has been kind of um, mixed with the image that people have of like I, I lived briefly in Dallas and like people would constantly bring up Rosie Perez or like constantly bring up, you know, like they they had this idea. They've seen the movies. They know all about it. And it's just interesting to see. And that's why like diversity matters so much. And that's why you have to represent all Latinos. You have to represent all different types of people, because literally not i blame them partially but also like hollywood hollywood presents a type more than once and the general population is gonna be like all right that's how that goes yeah (laughs) yeah i mean it's a thing i you know like it's you as a midwesterner it's you see a lot less of your general type i guess um portrayed in the media so it's just like for me growing up as a Nebraskan, I was like thrilled anytime Nebraska was even like mentioned on TV. I was like, Oh my God, we exist. The rest of the world like knows that we're here. But like, so far as like a stereotype of a Nebraskan, I'm not sure what that would be exactly. Cause like most people, like a lot of people, like if you talk to like a person in New York, they, they'd be hard pressed to even tell you like where Nebraska is on the map, you know? Absolutely. And I think also, I, I like, it, it's just interesting how much of our ideas are formed by like, you said Miss Midwesterner. And I think a lot of people automatically go to what they perceive to be a Midwestern movie rather than the actual map. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Like, people go to types that they've seen in media. And instead of in lieu of actual like, oh, yeah, that's where that is next to this date. And you know, like, it's bizarre. And also that's why I think like, I mean, it goes, it goes back to politics too, but it's like, that's why people have such little knowledge. It goes, the importance of seeing positive representations of people in the news cycle, even, you know, if you keep seeing the same shitty representation, that's what they did back to the Bernie bros. That's what they did to the Bernie bros. Right. You know, like they kept anybody who fought, who is a supporter of Bernie is X. Right. And it's usually sexist. It's usually that that was usually like the trope is that they're all, you know, sexist. They love Joe. For some reason we got roped in. I have never in my life listened to Joe Rogan. No. For some 
for some reason we was all Joe Rogan listening. You know? It's just insane. Like, like, yeah, because he said that he would theoretically vote for Bernie once, and like everybody acted like that was like the worst thing. And it was just like, I mean, I don't. I'm not a big fan of the guy either. But like, if he's going to like influence his massive fan base to vote a certain way when they would probably otherwise vote for Trump, maybe that's Absolutely. a good thing. Like, yep. uh, call me crazy. He has millions of fucking listeners. Anyway. Um, but they even had Bernie supporters gendered. That's what's wild. Yeah. It no, was- it's 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 all like uh, like cis straight white dudes who look like me with like shaggy <laughs> beards and glasses and shit. Like, you know, like I know that I am kind of a walking stereotypical Bernie bro, uh, you know, uh, uh, artsy, tattooed, stoner, like. I, I get that I, I fill a certain bill, but like, you know, I also would like to think that like, I don't, you know, that, that I'm a more complex person than that, that like, that I was brought to the left by, um, by having, you know, not only, uh, 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 I don't know, progressive social ideas so far as like, gender and and sexuality and um and you know uh uh uh, immigrants versus uh uh native citizens blah 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 uh but also class like class awareness was the thing that like brought me to the left as opposed to just like the center democrat party because like i did not see class issues being addressed and it's it bothered me and Bernie was the only guy who seemed to be really addressing those class issues. And I was like, okay, finally, somebody's talking about this. So, you know, but I don't know. It's just, I, I, I guess it's also just because I hate women. I, I, I guess, that's, you know, I, I guess, I guess my, my, you know, the thing that really brought me, uh, you know, to, to Bernie was misogyny. Well, also I like, Bernie, be- well, you know, that was sarcasm for you yes. who are listening. I hope that my <laughs> listeners have a little bit of a sense of humor and, and, and know me by now. I don't know. But I feel like, too, what I really liked about him, back to my anger, is like, shit is so fucked up that I want a politician who is a mascot who represents that. Not an orange, angry, blathering he was the most useless type of anger. And that's an important thing you need to realize. Yeah. We, there is power in anger. But Trump was an, a, a petty anger that had no mission other than to continue leeching and subsisting. He just was for himself, right? But you got Bernie, who actually was not only criticized for his fan base, but also remember when people were like, you know why I don't like Bernie? Is that he sounds so grumpy. Bitch! Yeah. What? How are you not grumpy? <laughs> exactly. I mean, well, that's, that's the thing is like you, you again, like you expect the person working at Burger King to be fucking like nice about it. And it's just like they're making like nine dollars an hour. Like they're not paying them enough to give a shit. I'm sorry. And it's just like Bernie is uh, he's gruff and he's i guess you could call him i don't know uh unfriendly an an, an impolite character but that's just because he has been that his whole life and he has been that just like stalwart like why are we talking about this bullshit i don't like care about this or that like entertaining thing i want to get to the issues at hand like i i don't i don't care 
and he yeah he is kind of like awkward and larry davidy but like okay fine like he's he's angry for the right reason it was a right he was absolutely right in being angry and like i love reading his tweets because he just gets in, in like just go straight after the issue you know what i mean like this wouldn't be a problem if we had universal health care and you're like yeah i'd be fucking angry too if i literally the other argument that people used against him was like well he's been around for so long how come he's never uh you know um been run for president earlier and it's like because he was fucking doing work and i think that's you know back to what we were saying it's like what is the end game so with my anger or with politics or with anything, what is your end game? And I think that's what we need to realize is like, I became a less angry person for myself, but also because of the people I loved, the people around, my students, the people I interact with, the comedians, the audiences. If I can manage through my shit, but still maintain uh, the, um, you know, it's not about putting your anger away in a box or, 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 getting rid of it. It's no like magic wand waving it. It's either working through it, acknowledging it, and any number of things. And there are good days and bad, you know, like, do I still get angry? Absolutely. <laughs> do I get angry about dumb shit like the train being late? A lot shorter now. That's the benefit of therapy. So I used to get angry, like my train would be late and they would fuck my whole day up. Hmm. My train will be late and for like 30 solid minutes, I'm like, burn it all down fuck this all and then i'm like well can't do anything about it moving on and that was the benefit of therapy is that sometimes not all times i am able to say there's nothing i can do keep it moving sweetheart you know what i mean the world yeah. goes on but that being said you cannot just put your anger away because then it's like what are you doing and then also you need to be a little angry to make i think i think to make moves in the world especially with the way the world is run right now you need to be like, you know, aware of the shit that's wrong and how we can handle it. You know, it seems it seems like you have really uh, applied that energy to, you know, to to the hustle, to 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 making things happen, um, because succeeding in the arts is, you know, in comedy is very self-directed and is very just like you have to plan your own shit, book your own shows, promote your own shit and like you have to just like make all of that stuff happen on your own. So if there is some sort of energy propelling you, be it anger, be it whatever, then that's what's going to energize you to actually do it. Yes. And I think focusing. So that's the thing. Like, um, I don't, I'm not a rant comic, uh, but I love rant comics. Mm. I love a good rant comic. Like Eddie Pepitone. Oh my God. Oh, I love love Eddie Pepitone. Eddie Pepitone. Oh my God. My God. And also like in the, when Eddie Pepitone dropped his last special was like an incredibly trying time. Cause it was like the new election. And like, like the, I thought it would be slam dunk. Trump's not going to be president. And of course it was way too close for comfort, but like he dropped that special and it was just like what I needed to fucking feel. But the thing with anger is you will not focus when you're with anger, you lose focus. If you can focus your anger, you have, you can now start to do something with your anger. Eddie Pepitone writes for years. You know what I mean? He's working on his stuff. He's testing stuff out. He's ranting. Now he does Instagram live. He rants on Instagram live and then he fine tunes it. I just saw one of his performances at, at Flappers and he's fine tuning that anger. Anger cannot really go into the world like just 
you know, uh, untamed, especially for comedy, what I mean. You know, you have to, you can be in a rant comic, but you have to realize that you have to sharpen and kind of fine tune and also um, you have to kind of buffer your anger with something maybe silly or something yeah. that's a little, you know, and then you can parse out little bits of angry comedy. But I see a lot of people just rant. And I think that's when you lose a lot of people because it's you have to manage through. I used to just be angry, and now I'm less angry, but I'm also, when I am angry, I usually try my best to get across. Remember I told you about, like, communication. You have to communicate your anger. Just to be angry is a dangerous game. Yeah. You have to kind of, like, focus. <laughs> I was, today, I was standing outside, um, and I was trying to, like, I was between appointments. So, like I said, I was, like, rushing between things. And I was trying to like cram down my lunch between you know, like between things, just like eat as quickly as I could. And I was pulled off to the side. I was I was like by like the Park Slope Armory, um, and there was like a little like alcove like up some stairs that I could like pull up off the sidewalk and just like just eat as quick as I could, just take my mask off and eat. And people kept walking by and like this one lady like walked up and she like went up to the door that happened to be like in the alcove that I was occupying. And I was just like, fucking really? Like, can I, can I get like five minutes? I was just like mad that this other person who had nothing to do with me was just walking by and happened to have to go into the same door that I was standing by because can't you see that I'm fucking standing here and I'm really busy and I I got a tight schedule and I have to just like hork this fucking lunch down before I you know am late to my next thing and like now you're gonna be standing close to me now I've put my mask back on and like I I remember thinking like of like if she sees this didn't happen but like i remember thinking like if she sees that i'm like visibly pissed at her like how am i going to explain this how am i going to like because i already had this just like rant like all of like what i was just saying to you was all just like in this big tangled angry mess in my head and i was so glad that she wasn't just like what's up because i would have just been this like like i would have just sounded like the tasmanian devil i wouldn't have been able to just like actually like express to her like well ma'am we're in the middle of a pandemic and I have to go to work in spite of uh, all of the health concerns, uh, you know, and all the, the hazard that I'm being put, you know, uh, put in in a daily basis uh, by this job. And uh, I uh, am not eligible technically for the vaccine, even though I'm working out and interfacing with the public and blah, blah, blah. And uh, it's, you know, that's a daily stress. And 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 then. I left the house a little too late and it's kind of my fault. So I'm a little pissed at myself, but I'm also like, I'm also kind of mad that my schedule is this tight because it's not really fair and blah, blah, blah. Like I was not going to be able to like get all of that out. And so thankfully she just went in the door and we went our separate ways. <laughs> but like, just to be able to like actually slow your brain down enough to like get those things out piece by piece takes so much effort because it's like trying to i don't know like put a clutch down on like a speeding engine you know yeah yes yes 
And I think, like I said, learning about how anger manifests uh, or, like, starts to snowball in the emotionally disturbed was like, oh, this is just humans. You know what I mean? This is how people get angry. This has nothing to do with – I was getting this psych training, and it has nothing to do – it has to do with everybody. You know what I mean? It's not um, – anger is not specific to any one type of person. Anger is to all of us. And it, I, I thought it was great that you're bringing up the commute because think of it this way. So say you wake up late and you're annoyed about that, right, or you get out, out of the house late. You miss your train, so you're already angry. But then when you get on the train, there's someone who doesn't believe in headphones. So now you're another type of angry. But you never handled the first anger. So now you're just two types of angry. Then when you get to work, before even asking you anything, say your boss treats you shitty because they're mad you're late, now you've got a third type of anger. And I think this is the type of thing, like when we talk about how to move forward in any way, it's a lot of work. And that's like what I think, it's funny because I've never thought of my anger or just anger in general as like anger um, is very much a part of being a, a New Yorker, being an American in many ways. Like it's almost like a part of like being annoyed. And you remember in the 90s when there was these like monologues where like all the alt comics, it'd be like grainy black and white. And they just like, you know what I got a problem with? I got right. a problem. Fucking Dennis Leary. Yes, yes. So it's like this weird thing where we're expected to try to make uh, lemonade out of lemons, but it's like, no, no, we can just get rid of the lemons or, or at least figure out other fucking ways to use the lemons. Nobody said, like, you know? And I think, you know, your commute story made me laugh because it's like, I remember I wrote a bit about this, but, like, I, I was on the train, and the train stopped abruptly, and I accidentally jostled, like, I bumped into this woman. And the woman turned around and she looked at me. And she's like, you fucking bitch. You want some of this? Right. And I said, no, uh, no, I'm good. Thank you. I would have never said that in my 20s. In my 20s, I'd have been like, what? Like, you know, like, I've got to prove to everyone on this train that I am the toughest woman in New York. But because at the time I was going to therapy, I was like, no, actually, no, I'm good. Because I had to go to work. And the woman gave me the most amazing look where she was like, oh, okay. And I was like, I'm really sorry. She's like, it's cool. Don't do it again. And then we just took the train. You know, it's just like, like there is in many ways, I know that you were like, I wish, you know, I'm hoping this person doesn't ask me what's wrong. But it's like sometimes you just need to stop and be like, oh, I'm just pissed about this. And, yeah. and, and not even make it go away. It's almost like acknowledging anger is a good way to get it to at least release some of the steam, which is why I think this is this is going to lead to our TED Talk, Brad, why I think that America in general is uh, suffering so much, like as a construct, like America, the country, yeah. it refuses, refuses to acknowledge any of its past anger. It just keeps putting concrete over it and rebuilding and then wondering why they cannot rebuild. And it's kind of like the thing, like we we're talking about the summer, where it's like police brutality or racism. They are refusing to acknowledge that there's an entire generation, generations of people. Yeah, no, it's hundreds. That's hundreds of years of rage coming out. It's not yes. just one fucking thing, dude. Yeah, and then instead they're like, yeah, well, things are different. Things are different in quotations. Things are different now, so why are you so angry? That is not how, that is not how anger is. Not handled. how it works. No, not at all. Um, 
Is there anywhere, any place you want to end this, Brad? Where, yeah. Where uh, so, I mean, yeah, you've got to go, um, you know, like, I mean, we got plenty more we could talk about. I'd love to have <laughs> you back anything, on at some point. But, uh, is, you know. anything on the list you wanted to talk about? I mean, we, I had a whole list of questions, but you know what? We can get to them some other time. How about if you want to come back on, whatever, at, at any point? Let's just do but that. Was, so, it was really fun. This was nice. You, by the way. Yeah, yeah, this was good. This was and, good. And also, I never realized how much, like, um, my, uh, it seems so lame to tell people when people are like, what made you finally go to therapy? And I'm like, Trump, you know? <laughs> I mean, it sure. It can be. But. but I, yeah, go on. I do think that there is a reckoning that I guess, and I can, I'm going to have many times over. I'm going to keep having, but I think that is a very uh, important moment to just realize, hey, like, I know it feels powerless, right? Yeah. You know, like, we, we vote one way, shit goes the other. But maybe, like, if we can do it in a small way with ourselves and then also just, like, try to... F I, I, I'm, right now, I just saw the new Adam Curtis and I am just very much having great difficulty being super positive. Mm, it's um, yeah, that can he, he's pretty intense. He's pretty intense. Like, that's depressing. I do think the one thing that would benefit a lot of people, and so if you could learn from my story, listeners, is that sometimes if you're raised like me, Puerto Rican, Catholic, New Yorker, who is like I was just told that for I believe, I believe true and true that anger was just my burden. That, like, you can try to work through your anger and some good shit might come of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it's... I, I'm I'm glad, you know, it's... uh, It is... Something feels embarrassing about now about, like, admitting how... Um, how affected you might have been during the 2016 election. Just because it just feels like almost one of those things now where, like... Uh, it just it's almost like basic you know to be like bothered you know Absolutely. what i mean by by, by yeah. trump like because just so everybody's fucking talked about how, like how horrible it was and like where were you on election day it's like the new like you know like 9 11 like everybody has a fucking story about like election day right and it's just like almost gotten like tired even in these past four years to 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 talk about like how uh, it's affected your psyche, but like, fuck it. Like it did. And so here we are. And you know, if that's what got you going to therapy, then so be it. Like, that's just, you know, I, it's, it's improved your life. Absolutely. And I would have eventually, I don't think I, I, I don't think I would have gotten, I wouldn't have been, and I don't mean to be like pushed off that ledge. Cause I think only positively my experience has been like, uh, but almost like if I was bungee jumping, I would have stand on the ledge I'll be like, maybe I should go to therapy. But that was the final like push in the dead center of my back where it's like, no, bitch, you need therapy. Yeah. Um, but I am now realizing that like I if I could have done it earlier, I you know, I don't like to look regressively like where it's like, I wish I could have, but you know, I would um I definitely benefited from it. I think it, it drastically improved my abilities as a teacher to understand my own anger. You know what I mean? This mm -hmm. whole time I've been reading textbooks about understanding other people's anger. And I was not at all acknowledging my own anger. And also, therapy is rad. I know, like, there are shitty therapists. There's a lot. But, like, if you can, the sweet spot in life is this lovely feeling. It's like when you finally get 
what they're going for in a movie. You know when you're watching a really like artsy fartsy movie, you're like, I don't get it, I don't get it, and you're like, I get it. Right. Sometimes therapy can give you that moment. It doesn't mean that it's a crowd pleasing movie, but you get it, and that's nice. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so you know, there we are, and you know, America needs therapy, and you know, so maybe (laughs) we all, you know, if. If 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 Trump's what pushes you towards it, then I don't know. Absolutely. Trump twenty twenty four. That's that's what we're gonna leave it on. Um, Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so uh, do it is like and that, that's when Zilla became the angriest woman in the world. You know, like lightning doesn't strike twice. <laughs> um, uh, is there anything that you would? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Um, is there anything that you would like to plug? Uh, let us know uh, where to follow you, uh, where to find you, and all of that shit. IG, so uh, Instagram, at Zillavodness. Uh, uh, Twitch, uh, for socially distanced fun, is at Zilla underscore Vodness. And uh, Twitter is at Zilla Vodness. Um, I promise you that I am uh, uh, just trying to really bring joy and awareness uh, to a, a myriad of topics. It could be anything from, I have a new bubblegum bit, so I talk ab- extensively about bubblegum, and then I might also make fun of our former president and or current president. So, you know, I got multitudes. <laughs> right on. Well, thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you so much, Brad. And, I mean, thank you for, like, this was really dope to just think about these things under the scope of, like, how I could possibly... Uh, share my journey with others and they could also you know I think once again uh, for many years I believed wholeheartedly that being angry was a part of being a New Yorker but you can be a New Yorker who also manages their anger (laughs) beautiful beautiful well thank you so much Zilla have a good night thanks once again to Zilla Vodness go check her out Uh, follow her on all the socials go watch her show on Twitch uh, it's a fun show. I've, I've watched it a couple of times. Uh, she has a really good mix of people on there every week. And, uh, you know, just, just go do it. Go do it. All right? What else are you going to do? Plus, you, what are you going to watch? WandaVision? Who gives a shit? Watch some live comedy. It's fun. All right? Anyway, <clears throat> patreon.com slash selfworst. Please help us out. Um, you know, with all, with everything that's gone on this week, uh, so far as our technical problems, I've decided it's time for, uh, a little bit of a, uh, an equipment upgrade. So I'm, I'm looking into buying a new mic, new computer, get a whole new workflow going. Uh, so that's going to cost some money. So, uh, patreon.com slash selfworst. Help a guy out, you know? Help an artist out. Help a, help a dude make a thing. That'd be cool. Um, and that's just gonna, that's gonna streamline my workflow. That's gonna, that's gonna make me just, uh, it's, it's just gonna make editing so much less of a pain in the ass to finally get a new computer. This computer is so fucking old. I don't know how it even works. It barely runs Chrome. And I'm editing my podcast on it every week. It's just, it's really, it's just held together with chewing gum. Um, It's trash. It's trash. And uh, we don't need that anymore. We don't need to do that to ourselves. Do we? Make a change. 
Treat yourself. Buy yourself a nice thing. What are you going to do? What are you, saving it all for taxes? Buy a thing. Who gives a shit? Okay? Come on. Let's all do something good for ourselves. Uh, it's been a long, shitty winter. We're not out of it yet. We had a nice day today, but, you know, it just keeps... It keeps going on. It's the slog. We've almost been in this whole shitty situation for a full year. And that's just really gonna... That's gonna fuck with a lot of people's heads, I predict. When middle March comes around, uh, I think people are gonna... The the gravity of it, the, the reality of it is really gonna hit people again. Uh, it's it's gonna be a wave. A wave of emotion. It's coming. Get ready. So... That's about it. Music is by Shea Bartel. He wrote the interstitial music, the music you're listening to right now. Wrote the theme song with me. I'm Brad Pearson. Until next time, go out and fail. It's good for you.